Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a great Friday. You know, it's it's exciting every time I go through my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Each day brings something refreshing, something new. And in the weekend, it's like a just two days all in and of themselves. And I think so many times when we go through life, we don't we don't go through with a with a purpose, with a plan, with a mission. And in doing that, our days I don't know, our days just kind of go together. Yesterday Paige finished up her latest book and got it sent to her editor. She's excited. She's getting ready to start her third book in a series now on a pregnancy crisis center and the people surrounding that. She just sold a brand new novella that comes out next Christmas, so she'll be starting into that. And the reason I bring that up is because as I look at what she goes through daily, taking care of the kids, taking care of herself, taking care of her career, she has purpose, she has focus. And people trust her to fulfill the commitments that she's put out there. And today, in Success 101, we're in the chapter, Do Others Find Me Trustworthy? John writes, trust is the foundation of all relationships. I would say that trust, because relationships are the foundation of leadership, is also the foundation in which we have to build our leadership off of. Our next book, I can already tell you what it's going to be. It's called Credibility, How Leaders Gain It, Lose It, and People Demand It. Because I believe that in today's world, this one little chapter here in the book that we're going to be doing following this next month is really the basis of everything. It is credibility. It's trust. Without it, we fail, period. John starts this chapter off with a a pretty powerful story. He says, if you've traveled through smaller airports or have ever experienced flying in corporate aircraft, you've probably seen or flown in a Learjet. He said, I had the opportunity to fly in one a couple of times, and it's quite an experience. They're small, capable of carrying only five or six passengers and very fast. It's like climbing into a narrow tube with jet engines strapped to it. I'll give you a little caveat. These came out in the early 60s, and by the late 60s, early 70s, the CIA had bought a bunch, and we were using them in Vietnam. That's a little side trick, because you could outfit them, and they would fly and do some crazy things. But John goes on, and he says, I have to admit, the whole experience of riding in a Learjet is pretty exhilarating. But by far, the most amazing thing to me is, is about the time it saves. I've traveled literally millions of miles on airlines, and I'm accustomed to long drives to airport, car rental returns, shuttle, terminal congestion, etc. It can just be a nightmare. But flying in a Learjet cuts travel time in half. The father of this amazing airplane was named Bill Leard, an inventor, an aviator, a business leader. Lear held more than 150 patents including those for the automatic pilot, car radio, 8-track tapes. Well, you can't win them all. Lear was a pioneer in his thinking in the 1950s. He could see the potential for the manufacturing of a small corporate jet. It took him several years, but in 63, 
They had their first major maiden voyage, and in 64, he delivered the first production. But the Lear's success was not immediately. He quickly sold many of the jets, over 55 of them, but right, right as they were going, two of them had crashes under mysterious circumstances. Lear called the other clients and said, ground your planes until I can figure out what is wrong. As he researched the ear-fated flights, he discovered a potential, a potential cause. But he couldn't verify the technical problem on the ground. There was only one way that it could happen, and that was to diagnose the problem in air. It had to be recreated, and he knew the only person to do that was him personally. It would be a dangerous process, but he did it. He flew the jet and nearly lost control and met the same fate as the other two pilots. But he held on. He managed to make it through the test and was able to verify the defect. Lear developed a new part to correct the problem, fitted all 55 planes that were, or well, in this case, 53 planes that were left with it, eliminating the danger. Grounding the plane stopped the sale of new planes. It also stopped production. Lear lost a boatload of money. It planted a seed of doubt in potential customers' minds. It took him two years to rebuild the business. But in talking with Lear, he never regretted his decision. He was willing to risk his success, his fortune, and even his life to solve the mystery of those crashes. What he wasn't willing to risk was his integrity. See, that took character. See, at the end of the day, character is all we have. Daily, I look for flaws. It's, it's, you know, the, the, I tell you, the law of attraction people would really freak out on this one. But I look for flaws in my character. Some people would say, well, Troy, you're going to attract those flaws to you. I hope so. Because the only way that I can fix them is to see them. The only way to see them is to attract them. What I do see is leaders who have attained a certain position, have attained a certain success, who have never, ever focused on their character. We see it every day. How many times do you pick up a newspaper, turn on the TV, pop open the Internet, and another CEO has fallen into disgrace for one thing or another? Too many times we end up in circumstances. And because we're under fire, it may be the first time that our actual character is put on the line. I analyze this a lot, especially right now as I'm preparing to write some articles on an organization and a top leader in direct selling. I'm digging deep right now to find something that even Maxwell doesn't talk about. And that's, that is to try to figure out what happens if the leader has character, but the people who have fallen away from his leadership don't have character. But they keep pointing at the leader. And, I, and I'm not saying that happened in this case, but I have not seen anything that talks about that. So I'm having to, to literally try to decipher this for myself.
So I believe that when you're a leader, you're out front. You're you're the you're the apex of the organization. And in being so, the arrows are going to fly at you. And the more that the arrows fly at you, the more that your your character will come under attack. And at that time, you either have to deal with it and hit it head on and stand your ground based on your ethics and your values and your character, or you have to compromise. Something else that I haven't found yet is what happens when when two leaders separate, but they're men or women of character, of ethics, of value. But somewhere along the line, there's a flaw Either, even in either or or both of the of the people that have separated, it's causing them to be at diabolical odds from each other. This is weighing on me very heavy, and that's why I think that the good Lord made me put this book out here. Is because I believe that there are times when people do not see things eye to eye. They may go down separate paths and still be people of character. I can show you places in the Bible where St. Peter and St. Paul had the same situation. But today what I want to focus on is how to make sure your character is getting in order. I don't talk from theory. I don't just talk from Maxwell's book. I've been a screw-up most of my life when it came to character. I grew up in a culture of deceit. Not my mom and dad. Don't get me wrong, but my dad worked for the union. I got infatuated with the union bosses and organized crime and the way that that they operated. I became very close friends with people that were associates in these organizations, and I learned that by deceit, they were able to build massive wealth. Now, they didn't see it as deceit. It kind of goes back to the military, and the military says it's a need-to-know basis, so they had their own need-to-know basis. If you weren't part of the organization, either as a made person, as an associate, then you were just out there and and you were going to be a fool and you were a good mark. And it's just the way it was. I would cover this up. Matter of fact, I can remember early on in my sales career, I, I would sell authentic duplicated items. That means basically that the the trademark that was on there, I didn't deny the fact that it wasn't an original, but we were still taking money from people's pockets. So when I talk about this, it's because I've had to grow through my own character flaws. The first thing that we must learn, if we want to be a person of character, is character is more than just talk. Your character determines who you are, Maxwell writes. Who you who you are determines what you see. What you see determines what you do. That's why you can never separate a person's character from their actions. When I see what people write on the Internet, that is their character, because that's the actions. The words they use are the people that they are, no matter what pseudonym or fake name that they might be hiding behind. I decided a long time ago to have a just enough ego to want to see my name on the public eye. Because I knew that would hold me accountable. When I screwed up, I would have to apologize whether I wanted to or not. 
But what I also had to do was make sure that that ego didn't edge God out. And it was always kept in check by humility. And that's that's not the easiest thing, and I've screwed that up too. But if a person's actions and intentions are continually working against each other, then his character has a flaw. The second thing, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. You can work to become better. You can be born with with just some God-given talents. You can develop a high IQ. You can develop some great skills. But we get to choose our character. Matter of fact, John writes, every time we make choices, either to cop out, dig out, or dig out of a hard situation, to bend the truth or stand under the weight of it, to take the easy money or pay the price, we're creating our character. I think how many times I've been inside of a strip joint. Men of character show up there where there are no windows, usually in areas of the town where most people won't see them. In the dark of the night, because most strip joints don't open in the daytime, whose parking is behind usually the building. Where God-fearing, conservative, upstanding citizens would never just drive in to see if your car is there because somebody might see them. Men of character. Nowadays, it's couples of character. It amazes me how many signs I see. Couples, welcome. Our actions. It goes back to the book last time, Ethics 101. You cannot separate personal and business ethics. You either have ethics or you don't. Am I saying that strip joints are wrong? They are for me. Which is why I'm bringing this up. I would also question... If you're having to sneak into a strip joint, is it right for you? Third, character brings lasting success with people. True leadership always involves other people. Leadership is a relationship. It's not a position. It's not a rank. For 11 years... I've been part of the Catalyst Movement, first as a participant, sitting in the middle of North Point's building, their their sanctuary, if you will, their auditorium, on the very back row with my nine-year-old son. And I just enthralled as 1,500 men and women under the age of 40 learn about leadership. Eleven years later, I'm now behind the stage at Catalyst with a 21-year-old son because character is a choice. 
Because everything that I learned in those 11 years helped build my character to a position to where all of a sudden it dawned on me I should be volunteering and helping and giving up my seat so others can have that joy. This year we'll have four or five people that will will go that have volunteered that that will end up there, and we've, we're so thankful for that. Number three, character brings lasting success with people. I studied John Maxwell early on. I, I found that those closest to him loved him to death, but there were people that didn't like John that, that would blame him for situations. Some of them came from Skyline Church, his, his church that he grew in San Diego. They blamed him because they could never build their building. They blamed him because he flew around the country building his leadership business instead of taking care of the church. Did that mean John didn't have credibility? Or did that mean that the people didn't want to take the time to get rid of being angry enough to figure out how would I like to be treated if I was in John's shoes and how can I learn to understand why John's doing what he's doing not agreeing with it but understanding it see I'm learning as I dig deep into this own my own my own frustration right now on credibility and leadership as I look at a situation I'm involved in I realize that sometimes a leader can have credibility, and those around him may not. John says, true leadership always involves other people. Followers do not trust leaders who character they know to be flawed, and they will not continue following them. Now the question is, what happens if the leader's credibility isn't flawed, but the followers credibility is flawed the odds are they'll point the finger at the leader it's amazing what's even more amazing is it's easier to get people to agree with you in a flash mob mentality when you can hide behind your identity it's even it's even better it brings heartache Because behind every situation that we happen to come across where character is involved, there are always people who will look at their own agenda and see who they can exploit, good or bad. Number four, people cannot rise above the limitations of their character. John writes this. This is powerful. Have you ever seen highly talented people suddenly fall apart when they achieve a certain level of success? The key to this phenomenon is character. Steve Burgess, a a psychologist at Harvard Med School and the author of Success Syndrome, says that people who achieve great heights but lack the bedrock character to sustain them through the stress are headed for disaster. He believes they are destined for one or more of the four A's, arrogance, painful feelings of loneliness, destructive adventure-seeking, or adultery. Each 
is a terrible price to pay for weak character. Arrogance, aloneness, adventure-seeking, or adultery. How many leaders have you heard that are this way? It's amazing. So what you've got to do is examine yourself. I've got to examine myself. I've said this over and over. It's funny, as I watch my own critics, none of them have ever listened to a radio show. They talk about how arrogant I am, how egotistical I am. And I and I smile at that because that, that's not wrong. My mom would tell you I grew up and would tell everybody I am the greatest. I didn't do that once, though, let me tell you this. Let, let me just rabbit trail. There was one time when I didn't tell people I was the greatest. I was sitting at church one day, and this, this fine-looking lady came up to compliment my mother and I, and she looked over and said, My, you're a good-looking boy. You're getting tall, or something along those lines. And I said, Yes, ma'am, but I can still wear my mom's clothing. Freak that lady out. She wasn't quite sure what to say. And I did it with a pretty good straight face, you know, but we all had fun. I love my mom. Crazy as a hoot, but I love her. But see, we got to examine ourselves. you got to be able to dig so deep inside of yourself that you can be honest. You can't freaking lie. Don't pretend, oh, I'm just perfect. Man, I procrastinate too much. I don't get done everything I want to get done. You know what else? I get scared that I'm going to fail. So sometimes that slows me down. It doesn't stop me anymore, but doggone it, it does slow me down sometimes. But you know why I I worry about failing? It's not because of me. I could care less. I just don't want to disappoint those around me. Have you? Does that make sense? See, we have to work on building our character. So, and to do that, we have to examine ourselves. We got to search for cracks. This is your assignment over the weekend. Well, this is your assignment for the next nine days because I'm going to be out of town. Or seven, eight, nine, ten, ten days. I'm going to be out of town. Examine yourself. Search for those cracks. Look for areas of your life, your work, your marriage, your family, your personal relationship with God, or, or I don't care, if you, I guess if you worship a, a, an idol, make sure there's no cracks in the idol. Whatever the case is, are you cutting corners? Are you compromising? Are you letting people down? Write this down and look at it. Second thing we need to do, you've got to look for patterns. Can you detect patterns that can help you identify Character flaws. Do your eyes wonder too much at that hot-looking guy? Maybe that beautiful-looking lady. Do Do you see your mind wondering, I wonder what a strip club would be like? Trust me, if you're over the age of 30, don't go in a strip club because all you're going to do is look at the girl on the stage and think it's your daughter. Okay, so there's not even any reason to go there. Think about this for a second. What are your character flaws? Admit them, write them down, look for patterns, and face the music. The beginning of character repair comes when you face your flaws, apologize, and deal with the consequences of your actions. 
You must. If you have harmed people, make a list of them. Now, I'm going to probably be a little different than most. If 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 you know there's people in your past and somehow you've hurt them, don't freaking bring it up to them. I think that's the most asinine thing under the sun. But you need to accept that apology in your heart. You need to say, man, I am so sorry. I should not have done that. And you need to let go of whatever, whatever crap you might have. If it's somebody that you have currently hurt, and there's any way at all to resolve it, you need to. But you also need to remember other people can have character flaws. And if it's not something that you've done, then you need to let that go because you will not be able to change it. And last, you've got to rebuild. It's one thing to face your past actions. It's another to build a new future. See, once we know our areas of weakness, we must build on that. I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that if I was to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist and I shared all my past history... They would say, boy, you have anger problems. You're a very angry person. And then I'd go through life like drug addicts and sex addicts and drunks do, and I'd be going to everybody saying, hi, my name's Troy Dooley, and, and, and I'm an angry person, just like they say, and I'm an alcoholic, which is a bunch of BS and crap. See, once you start to rebuild, you're not that person anymore. If you believe like I do, you're a new person in Christ. Doesn't mean you don't have flaws. Just means you're focusing on a new a new a new future. See, I'm a firm believer that you can rebuild who you are. See, for almost twenty years I've not been charged with any felonies. I've not tried to run people off the road and and be charged with attempted vehicular homicide. I've not pulled a weapon on anybody and been charged with assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to kill. I've not pissed off any politicians and then been charged with felony fraud trying to cover up a crime. Had a couple speeding tickets. I let the anger go. Realized that that was a problem I had. Have there been times of anger? Sure, Dalton and I have gotten into fisticuffs. JT and I have gotten into fisticuffs. My own boys have decided at one time or another they were angry. I had a guy tell me, that's not normal. It is if your last name's Dooley. (laughs) Or Limley or Bryant. (laughs) See, the kicker is you've got to rebuild it. You've got to change That's what real character is, being bigger on the inside, not just the outside. Guys, have an awesome week. Hang out with Jimmy and I this afternoon on Aces Radio Live. I leave Sunday picking up Dalton at the airport, and we will prepare for one heck of a week of having a blast. When I get back, we'll go into Chapter 7. How skilled am I at my work? It's going to be fun. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. And be back here with me the second week of October for RealMentorsRadio.com.